Just put that in my pockets, all right? All right, so I told the pastor after he was done preaching this morning, man, you just preached the same outline that I was going to preach. Um, anytime, anytime I go to the pulpit, you know, sometimes as preachers it's easy to think, well, this is going to be good for Sunday. This is what the people need. Um, but from day one, I've always tried to be very faithful to the Lord and just allowing God to lead me for where He wants me to preach. And Thursday morning, I woke up. I wasn't really sure what was going to be said tonight or this afternoon, but... Uh, just seeking God about it, and I, part of my daily reading there, Matthew 22, uh, the pastor had mentioned loving thy neighbor, and uh, so the, uh, the verse verse 39 there of Matthew 22 really jumped out at me um, for for this time, and I thought, well, maybe the Lord's got another message for me. Being an evangelist, you travel, and sometimes you preach the same messages again, and uh, but I knew that this this was something the Lord wanted me to preach, and so I spent Friday uh, working on it and finding out exactly what God had. So I believe. I believe it's something that will help all of us. I believe this is where God would have us again this afternoon. Um, if you would turn to Matthew 22, um, if I could invite you to stand for respect to reading God's Word, we'll read the uh, about the same verses that he read this morning, 34 through 40 of Matthew 22. In verse 34, the Bible says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which of the great commandment, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, we find our thought at, uh, this afternoon there in verse 37. Again, the Bible says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Uh, if we could just look at the thought with all uh, this afternoon. Uh, please pray with me now. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we praise you so much for how good you are to us, Lord. And we just thank you for the message this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, Bible Pathways Baptist Church, Lord, and the ministry and the work they're doing here in uh, Lexington, Lord. We ask you to continue to bless them, help them with this, uh, this new church they're looking to. Lord, may your will be done. Uh, but Lord, help us. May the Word of God strengthen us to serve you, Lord, the way you tell us to and not the way we choose to. I do thank you for Jesus Christ for dying on the cross and saving us from our sins. And Lord, I ask you at this uh, moment that you'd meet with us in a strong and powerful and mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So, who is considered our neighbor? Uh, you know, a neighbor is defined one who lives near another, um, or it could be defined as one of the human race, anyone that needs our help, or to whom we have an opportunity of doing good. You know, when we think of neighbors, we tend to think um, good things, right? We, uh, when I first moved to uh, Cincinnati, uh, I had a neighbor, I moved in, and I had a, had a flat tire. I went on a hunting trip and come back, and my, my spare tire was on my truck, and I had a hole in, in the one, and man, my neighbor said, nicest guy, I was away at work, and he took the tire, he had it plugged for me, and when I got back, he had already put it on my truck and swamped it out. Now, you know, that's a good neighbor. We think of neighbors as being uh, kind. Uh, we might think, them, think of them as being friendly. 
uh, after my wife and I got married, we were married three years, we bought our first house and we had a neighbor uh, there in Cincinnati. I remember one day he come over, he was going to help us cut down some trees. They wanted like $1,100 to $2,000 to have two trees cut down and just, uh, just cut them up to where they'd be laying in the yard there for me to take the rest of them. Well, I had a neighbor that was pr uh, pretty good at cutting trees down and so he dropped one of them for me. The, there was a guy he found that was going to come for $150 and drop the big, big dead tree that was really a, a hazard to our house and the neighbor's house. And uh, we waited and waited, and um, the guy never showed up. He was just running behind. Well, it was Wednesday night, so we had to get to church. And we went to church, and when we got home from church Wednesday night, the guy had showed up. He had dropped the tree. And then my neighbor there that had cut down the first tree, he cut the whole tree up, cut all the brush out of it, piled it up. It was all, we didn't have much work to do. I mean, that's a pretty good neighbor. Um, but what are some other things we think of neighbors to be? Maybe a little nosy. They tend to get in our business a little bit sometimes. Uh, maybe not someone that just lives right next to us. Hey, maybe it's somebody that, that's in the house of God, somebody that we have trouble getting along with because of differences. Um, I've had struggles with some neighbors at work. Uh, man, they I went through a great deal of struggle with the Ohio Department of Natural Resources about the last year and a half. Uh, man, they hated Christians in the workplace, and they're the guys that I was working next to every day. Uh, man, you know, the Bible says I'm supposed to love these guys like myself, and they're doing all that they can to, to make sure I'm fired because they don't like to see gospel tracts and they don't like my testimony for Christ. And so when we look at this term at loving our neighbor, you know, it's really... It's really not as easy as it sounds. Uh, we had moved into our house in 2013 when we had bought our house. And literally, our neighbor was right next to us. You know, the closest neighbors sometimes are the biggest trouble. Uh, that neighbor two or three houses down don't bother us nearly as much. Going out soul winning, and as a church, we, we show up on someone's door and then give them a gift and invite them to church. And Hey, we can love our neighbor in that sense, but, but what about those people that are really close to you? You see, it was, it was a neat thing. Um, right when we moved, on the back end of our yard budded about 1,000 acres of the Cincinnati Nature Center. And I remember when I was buying the house, I'm like, man, I need to check out this Nature Center, see what it's about. It's really, really cool looking place. And as I'm reading through some information, I, I realized that it sounds like they've got guys that are hunting kind of under the hat to where people don't know. It said something like the deer can really get overpopulated and they have tactics or, or techniques they use to um, just management practices uh, to maintain the deer populations. And as a hunter, I knew, hey, they let guys hunt there. So I sent an email over to the director and told him my background. I'm in law enforcement. I went through a natural resources school. And he gets right back with me right away. He says, I've got three hunters that I'm kicking off the program. He said, I'm going to put you right into where they were at. 150 acres to hunt. I got it all to myself. I don't have to worry about anybody, man. God is just doing great things. And so this is like July. We buy the house in July, and now we're, we're getting things programmed. It's like September, October, and it's time to start hunting. And, man, the Lord was good to me. I, I took two deer right away. And... Like, like a week later, within a week of after it had taken those two deer, I get a call from the director of the department. And you never guess what he told me. He said the neighbor called him. Didn't like the whole idea of deer hunting. Thought I was shooting her deer. And so this is what she says. I was, um, I was taking feed and, and dumping it onto the Nature Center property to draw these deer in. Well, 
the truth was that's what she was doing. Every day we would watch her walk out her back door and she would throw like pumpkins or just whatever food left over over the fence. It would go over her fence and it would go right onto the nature center property. Well, that's not what I was doing. I had my own little stump on my side of the property line and so the deer would come off, off of the property and onto my property to eat the corn or whatever it was that we'd put out. Well, here's another thing. I wasn't even hunting behind my house. I had a zone like five miles down the road, a totally different area of the property, and she's saying that I'm shooting deer right off of my deck, right onto the nature center. And I just thought, you have got to be kidding me. Man, I was so angry. 150 acres, I mean, God's opened a big door. This was awesome. This was a big, big step in finding some good hunting land. Um, what else did she do? She, she had said some other things. Oh, I, I was trying to be respectful. You know, I process my own deer, and, and I try to be respectful of people that I know that everybody don't like to see that stuff. So behind the house, I had, we have a, a small shed, and then there's like a, a big wooden fence that separated me from this neighbor. And so I'd kind of hide the deer back there where, when I was processing so people from the road couldn't really see them and, and the neighbors couldn't see them. Well, that night, I remember they had pulled out of their driveway and they pulled up right next to my house and they stopped with nosy neighbors. It was dark out. Like, what is he doing back there? And, and so now the, the director's telling me, she says that you're hanging, hanging these dead deer right, right in the middle of your yard where everybody can see them. And man, I was hot. Talk about being angry. Now look here, the Bible tells us that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. It, that's not an easy thing to do. You know what I did? I, I, I was quick. I went right over and knocked on the door. I said, what in the world's going on? Well, of course, she lied about everything, said she was trying to protect the neighbor, the next door down that are anti-hunter. She said that stuff didn't bother her, but she was just trying to protect them. And I told her, I said, look, I'm trying to be respectful of you. Like, you get out of your car and you drive down the road and you, you're looking back into my yard to see what I'm doing. Like, I, I just moved in here. I don't want any trouble with you. But man, you know what was going through my head? I even told my uncle, I said, I've got every right to hunt those deer back there. And I said, the next deer that steps into my yard or the edge of the property, I am going to shoot it right off my deck right in front of her. That's the flesh. That's how we react when those neighbors begin to, to do things wrong to us. And loving our neighbor, again, it's not as easy as it sounds. Look with me there in uh, Matthew chapter 5. We'll come right back to this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 5, we see this term again. We also see what the Lord is telling us to do. Matthew chapter 5, look with me there in verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward hath ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect." You know, I think of this thought in trying to deal with my neighbor. I think of this thought of trying to deal with officers that I work next to every day in the workplace that was daily trying to find a way for me to get fired and for me to get pushed out of working as an officer. 
And the, the nature in us, when we look at this type of neighbor, that neighbor that really becomes an enemy to us, you know what I come to realize? We can't love our neighbors in our own power. This is something that's not natural to us, and this is something that we cannot accomplish. And I believe the reason is, is because when we look at Matthew chapter 22 here, what does the Bible tell us about loving our neighbor? It's the second commandment, right? What's the first commandment? What's the great commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all. And I believe it's because we're not serving God with all, it's what causes us to have hatred. It's what causes us to respond in a way a Christian should not respond in situations. I remember telling my uncle about, man, I'm just going to do this. He said, he said, Darren, you can't do that. I mean, that's what I needed to hear, but that's not what I wanted to do. And the most important thing in my life is having that close walk with the Lord. And I'm afraid in a lot of situations in our life, in dealing with those enemies, in dealing with those difficult people, we don't respond the right way because we're not keeping the first commandment. We're not loving the Lord with all. And so that's the title of the message, With All. Look at with me there at verse 37. We've we'll, we got three points. Uh, you can already see them right in verse 37 here, but the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Uh, when we look at this word, thou, uh, it's singular. You know, we can take from this scripture right here, a lot of times we begin to look at other people and how they're living their life and how they're responding to situations. But the Bible is not talking about what our neighbor's doing or that person next to us is doing. He says, thou, it's singular. It's very, very specifically to a child of God, he's telling us that we must love the Lord with all of our hearts. Um, you know... Um, can I ask you, how's your heart today? It's amazing that right here where we all sit today, God can see everything in your heart and in my heart. He knows things that's going on that I don't know. He knows things that's going on that your neighbor next to you don't know about. But when we look at the Bible, the Bible says that God can see the heart. In, in order for us to love the Lord with all of our heart, well, first off, we've got to be saved. We can never come to that place to love the Lord with all if we don't come to that place of accepting what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Every one of you here today should be able to go to that time and you go to that place that God convicted your personal heart and made you realize that you were a lost sinner bound for a devil's hell. And through that conviction, you chose to make a decision to trust Jesus Christ. We'll never be able to love the Lord with all of our heart if we don't first accept Christ. We look around the world today, what's happening? Man, people are following their own heart, aren't they? We see the, see the riots. We see just the, just the straight-up wickedness. And, and it's unfortunate that from the time we're a kid, you know what we're taught? Follow your heart. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his way and according to the fruit of his doing. You know, our heart, it's not a natural thing for us to serve the Lord because when we begin serving the Lord with all our heart, it puts us in rough situations that we don't want to respond to in the right sense. 
Again, I said God, God can see our hearts right where we're at today. Uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Again, right now, every enemy, every difficult thing that you're dealing with, any doubt, any discouragement, anything that you're struggling with, God knows everything in your very heart at this very moment. And it does not matter what the person next to you is seeing. It matters what God is seeing. Until we can serve God with all of our heart, we've got we've to keep that clean heart. We've got we to keep sin out of our life. First uh, Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, uh, we see Samuel, he's coming to Eliab. He's coming to the house of Jesse to um, anoint the new king of Israel. And he looks at Eliab and he says to himself, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the one that's going to be the next king. And this is what uh, the Lord says to Samuel. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Psalm 66, 18, very familiar scripture. Many of us know if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What I'm trying to get you to see this morning, the Bible commands us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And we're never going to be able to love our enemy like ourself until we deal with the very sins in our own personal walk so we can be true to the Lord. Where is your heart this morning? What sins might be in your life right now that are hindering your walk with Christ? Because if it's hindering your walk with Christ, it's going to hinder everybody that you deal with outside of this house today. Is your heart straight and is your heart true? We look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, it's the Word of God that deals with our heart and gives us that strength and, and tells us how to make decisions and tells us how to, to face adversity and, and be strong in difficult times. Can I ask you, uh, when was the last time you read your Bible? I remember a life change for me. First off, I was about 24 years old. We were brought up in a King James church. Uh, King James was just the Bible to use, but at 24 years old, when I began to really seek the Lord... All I knew is that's what my grandmother used, and that's what the pastor used, and that's what the church used. I didn't really understand it totally. I didn't really understand the perfection and just the love God had for us. And when I began to study out the Word of God and realize what it was, it changed everything about me. But even a greater change came many years after that. We were going into a revival meeting. And I remember the pastor asked everybody in the congregation, for 40 days leading up to the day revival starts, I'm going to ask you to read your Bible, be faithful to the Lord, try it. If you wrong somebody, go make it right with them. Anytime the Lord burdens uh, your heart about something or convicts you about something, do your best to take a step for what God's telling you to do. But the one thing, He gave us four things, and the one thing was read your Bible every day. And I made a decision. I'm going to try to make sure I read my Bible every day up to the 40, uh, that 40 days leading up to revival. And I remember one night I about fell asleep, but before I could, I remember I at least read one verse. I at least got in the Bible so I could say that those 40 days I was in my Bible every day. And let me tell you something, that changed me. 
changed everything about my life. It changed everything about my walk. We need to be faithful in the Word of God day and night. And I would ask you here this afternoon, did you spend time this morning reading your Word? Not, not, not about just coming to church. Not just about being in the services and open for a study here and there. Do you have a personal walk with the Lord? Every morning and every night, are you seeking the Word of God, saying, Lord, fix my way. Make me to be a better Christian for you. And we'll never get to that place if the Word of God is not our final authority. Where have you been this last week? Have you been faithful every day and every night? Uh, is it a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path? Are you hiding its words in your heart? You know, it's amazing when you begin to, to study the Bible and memorize Scriptures. So many times there's something right at your doorstep that you say, Man, I don't really know what to do, but the Spirit of God illuminates in your heart. And you remember that Scripture that you'd memorized. And you can make that decision, am I going to obey God at this point, or am I going to go the way the flesh always wants to draw us? The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt, wake, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do you want a prosperous way? Do you want to live a successful way? The Bible says that we have to be diligent. We have to meditate not only day, but also night. And then when we read it, He says we have to do it. Again, what is God seeing at this very moment in your heart? What are some things that, that may be hindering you from loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart? You know, I want to please the Lord in everything that I do. And every day, I realize sin is always at the doorstep. There's always something that's going to get in the way. And if, if the devil can get in the way of us serving the Lord, man, he sure is going to get in the way of us loving our neighbors. Because it's the first commandment, of course, loving the Lord. Secondly, we look there at verse 37 again. The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. We look at the soul. What exactly is the soul? Um, sometimes I think of uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Uh, the Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So what the Bible tells us there is that, you know, we can't really see God, right? We can't see God, but when the wind blows, we can see God. When we see creation, when we see that big white tail walking across the field, or just down at the lake and God's beautiful creation, when we see those things, we can see God. You know, the soul, uh, it can be defined as the inner man. It's what makes you, you. Uh, in Genesis 2, 7, we see when man became a living soul, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Um, you know, we know the soul, of course, it lives eternally. It's going to go to heaven or it's going to go to hell. Uh, but actually, the soul is something that can be seen from others. We look at the life of Joseph. We can see, first off, the soul, um, it, it has feelings. Uh, Genesis 42, 21, the Bible says, And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul. See, what ha what's happened, 22 years has passed by. 
Joseph was sold into slavery. He's now Pharaoh. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's right next to Pharaoh. He's the governor over all of Egypt. And he hadn't seen his brother in 22 years. And for 22 years, what they did to them, did to him has weighed heavily on their minds. And as they come to Egypt for food, Joseph identifies with the fact that it's his brethren and he begins to bring some hard things down on them. He, he accuses them of being spies. And they don't realize it, but Joseph is their brother. He can speak in the Hebrew language. Now, he's speaking to them in Egyptian language, and so uh, they don't realize as they're talking, this is what's going on. It says, And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us? So that inner you, that person that you are, guess what? Other people can actually kind of see your soul. They can see who you are. They can see how much you love the Lord. Are you loving the Lord? Hey, we can love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Uh, and you know, the heart, that's the, that's the center of all of this. It's got to start with the heart. We've got to get the heart right. And guess what happens when we get the heart right? It carries over to the soul. How long has it been since you passed out a gospel track? Have you, have you passed out a track, even one maybe this past week? Have you made an effort maybe even to invite someone to church? How's the workplace? Has, has the workplace, have those co-workers noticed how you step away from that, that ungodly conversation and jokes when it goes on? Hey, it's, I've, I've been there. I worked in the secular world. I worked as a watercraft officer. And let me tell you something. One day somebody actually, I know they could see what was in my inner soul. It was sadness and it was sorrow. Uh, what had happened is they um, basically told me that I couldn't pass out a track at work. State began to do a bunch of things and and um, my supervisor told me, hey, uh, you need to stop doing this. Uh, there was a big situation that had happened. Uh, they accused me of soliciting. One of the officers that I worked next to actually got into our policy book and tried to find something that showed what I was doing and giving out a track was wrong. Well, there was nothing anywhere in the policy. In fact, it was a violation of my civil right as a, as a state employee. There was things they just could not do. And they pulled up the whole solicitation deal. And um, my supervisor had called and said, you know, you just need to start keeping this stuff at home. He says, don't have this, you don't need to have this conversation with anybody else at work. He told me, he said, one of the officers brought this policy to me. It was laying on my desk. And so guess what I did? The next day I went into work and I wasn't going to be quiet. I said, this is what the supervisor said. And I said, who did it? Who, who, who did it and what are you trying to do? And it turned into a huge fight yelling, screaming. The one particular guy, he, he wouldn't admit to doing it right at that time, but he begins to nearly curse at me, saying that the, he was start attacking the King James Bible. And I was just like, wow. But man, it hurt. It was tough. Now, I didn't have a broken heart through that. That didn't affect my heart necessarily, but it did affect my soul. I remember those four officers in there, they, or three other officers, they end up leaving and I was just like, I can't work the rest of the day. I just need to take a day off and go home. And I talked to the supervisor, and he said, I told you not to say anything. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I, I'm, uh, people are trying to start all these accusations against me, and I'm going to stand up for it. And I remember one officer, he's lost. He was still lost today. He come walking back into the office. I was sitting there by myself. And it hurt so much. I remember I just had tears pouring out of my eyes. 
I didn't want anybody to see that. I was kind of turned looking out the window. But I remember as he walked back through the doorway, he saw me sitting there. And I know that it had an effect on him. He could actually see me taking a stand for Christ, but he also could see my soul. He could see the hurt and the anguish that was taking place for taking a stand for Christ. Can I ask you this afternoon, what are people seeing in your soul? Are they seeing a fervency to get the gospel to this lost and dying world? Are they seeing that, that inner you, that inner self is saying, you know, no matter what the cost, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do right. I'm afraid a lot of times our soul, we get, we get sucked into the world and we get sucked into the pride and our self. And guess what happens again as a result of that? We're not effective in loving our neighbor. Where's your soul at today? We also see uh, the soul, uh, it can long for and trust in God. Uh, Psalms 57 and verse 1, the Bible says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. David is running for his life. He's in the cave. And here King Saul with his 3,000 men are trying to take his very life. But yet, even in that discouragement, you know what David went to? Oh, Samuel came and anointed me to be king. One day, God does have that place for me. And in the darkest of days, even in David's soul, he said, Lord, I love you, and Lord, I trust you. I'm afraid we get into these situations in life, and we get discouraged, and we get depressed, and we get so put down that our soul becomes very weary. But again, are you being faithful day in and day out? Are you reading the Bible? Are you memorizing the Scripture? Are you doing your best to trust God with all your heart in exactly what He's telling you to do and the call that He's placed upon your life? Um, we also can see the soul. Um, it can love a friend. First uh, Samuel, I'll just read a few verses here. We see Jonathan and David. First uh, Samuel 18, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. We know the story of Jonathan and David, that they had a very good friendship. Hey, think about that friendship with you have, that you have with someone close to you. You're knit together, you, you have a great love for them, you think of a husband and wife, you have disagreements, you have fights, but yet that love of the soul is still there and it still keeps you together and you keep moving forward. Can I ask you, do you have that, that relationship with God? Does your soul long for the Lord? Are you doing your very best to make sure that everything that you do is showing how much you love God and how much you serve Him? Let me tell you that this afternoon, church, when you live for the Lord and when you serve Him with all your soul, other people are going to know it. Do the people around you know that you're a Christian because of the way you live? Or do you have to tell them that you're a Christian and that you go to church on Sunday? I believe that when we really get plugged into the Lord and when we begin to serve Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul, we don't have to tell one person in this world that we're a Christian. Just in a moment, they'll identify with the fact, hey, there's something different about them. Again, these two things. We must first start with the heart. The heart carries to the soul. And lastly, uh, we, we see the mind. The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. How is your mind 
today? How was your mind this morning when the pastor was preaching? Was you thinking, hey, how can I serve the Lord? Hey, when you're standing at the gas pump, what are you thinking about? i got to get the gas in my car so I can get home or get to this place. Or do you think, you know, I want to serve the Lord today. You know, I need to walk across this gas station right here and give a track to that person on the other side of the pump. Hey, as you're standing in the aisleway of the grocery store, do you think, oh man, i got to get these groceries and i got to get home to make food for the kids or i got to get home to do this or do that for the party coming up? Or do you say, you know what? My life's about the Lord. Your mind, your mind are those things that you think about. And hey, I'm guilty. There's been many times on Sunday mornings I sit in the church while the pastor preaches and you know what goes through my mind? Man, it should be nice to sit in that deer stand. Sure be nice to uh, get out of church today and get to that place that I'm going to eat. Yet day in and day out is your mind, are your thoughts, are you continually thinking, I've got to serve the Lord today. What can I do to serve the Lord? Jesus Christ should just flood our minds. But I'm afraid many times we're thinking about ourselves because we're not loving the Lord with all our heart. We're not loving the Lord with all of our soul. And when our heart's affected and our soul's affected, guess what? Our minds are affected too. Just a few things we can see uh, with the mind. There's a reprobate mind, Romans 1.28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You know what God says? Hey, you know what? You want to reject me in your thoughts? Then I'm going to reject you. And God will do that to the very believer when we begin to harden our hearts and we begin to shift everything of our life upon this world. Again, look around at the world today. Man, it's full of wickedness, full of chaos, uh, hatred. And we're going to be right there in the middle of all of it if we don't set our mind upon Jesus Christ. How's your walk today? Are you serving Him? Again, I've come to find that dealing with these enemies that we call neighbors, those people sometimes that are very close to us, whether it be the workplace, whether it be right next door, man, it sure is hard to love them. But what I've come to realize is, hey, you know what, we can love them when we're serving the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. The first and the greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We lived at that house for five years. We sold it and moved on. You know, we became good enough friends, had the opportunity to witness to every one of them in the house there. Uh, never, never did see any of them get saved. Um, but I know that when we moved away from that phase in our life, the devil didn't have victory in loving that neighbor. In fact, I still, they're still on, every Thursday I pray for just about everybody in my little neighborhood there that I used to pray for when we lived there about a year and a half ago. And I believe God can still save them. And hey, there are people right now in your life next to you that you may not get along with and you may not like, but hey, the Bible says we have to love them like we love ourselves. And, and we have to love them kind of like the first. He said the, the second commandment is like the first, loving God with all our heart. Are you there this morning? Are you loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Because when we get that in order, hey, all the other ones just fall right into place. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. I pray this message has been a help to someone. I know there's things that I struggle with in my own life, and there's people right now that I deal with every day uh, that is a struggle to love them, Lord. Help me to stay faithful to you, Lord. Help everyone here today to stay faithful to you and uh, loving uh, you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Thank you, Lord, for the church. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.
software update. I'm looking at